Good. Well, it was uh, it was really good to connect with you two weeks ago on your podcast. I had a really good time, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on mine. Yeah, dude, I'm pumped to get on here and jam and uh, hopefully add some value to your audience. I really enjoyed having you on mine as well. So I hope that there can be a mutual benefit there. Absolutely. I was thinking uh, this conversation could be a little more organic. You know, you and I have a lot in common for sure as far as our coaching practices go and obviously training for endurance sports and things like that. But I kind of want to take this conversation a little back to your days playing college football. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So I uh, I grew up in South Lake, Texas, which is kind of a powerhouse Texas high school football city. Um, moved there when I was 10. And like that was the first thing my family did was give me playing football. And so played football there. Um, when it came time to figure out where I was going to go to school, I had scholarship offers from the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And then I had a scholarship offer from Stephen F. Austin, which is a D1AA school in Dakotoshes, Texas. But I really wanted to play what I considered big time D1 football and so I decided to walk on at SMU and uh, bet on myself which is kind of the foundation around my podcast my business um, you know betting on yourself taking risks pursuing your dreams and uh, just believing that you can do it and so walked on at SMU uh, ended up playing I think like 46 out of 48 games during my time there started a couple of years got put on scholarship became a captain and I'm kind of speeding through, and obviously we can we can talk about the details of those specific things. But all that to say, I uh, had a really awesome experience playing football. Amazing. So today you're a performance coach, yeah. And you help high level athletes, high income earners, high performers with their physical fitness, their health, etc. Yeah, physical fitness, mental health, which is really mindset. Uh, and then career alignment are really the three focus areas along with relationships because I believe that if your mindset, your physical health, your career, and your relationships are aligned, well then how could you not be happy and enjoying the life that you're living? Uh, and the reality is we have the opportunity and the ability to create the things that we want in all four of those categories. It's just a matter of doing it. And so I help people figure out exactly what they want and then help them go from where they're currently at to where they want to be. How do you take people through the conversation of figuring out what they want? Because most people don't even know what they want, right? When I ask clients or potential clients that I'm on the phone with, like, what are your goals? They're very surface level. They're very vague. They're not quantifiable. So what's the process you typically take those people through to help them discover and gain clarity on what they want in life? It's, it's actually interesting you say that um, because in my experience, a lot of times people actually do know what they want. And a lot of times they know probably what they need to do to get there or have an idea. But the problem is there's this roadblock, which is taking action and actually doing stuff to achieve their goals. And so my approach really is more so like, hey, like, let's talk about what you want. Maybe it's not super specific. Maybe we have to get a little more granular. But like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about a plan to do that. Let's talk about what you think is currently keeping you from doing that. Because a lot of times actually speaking about those things, putting them out to the universe allows you to see that like, oh, the barrier that I thought existed really isn't as scary or isn't as much of an hindrance as I maybe thought. <laughs> and then again, like naming that then allows you to maybe put something into action to go around it or go through it or whatever the route is. Uh, but really it's about being intentional. Yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, like, so you mentioned that a lot of the people you talk to don't really have those goals. 
So, so what is your approach in those contexts? You know, I think everyone is different. Whenever I'm having a free call with someone, the first question is, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you want to talk about today. Yeah. And usually the first thing that they talk about is like the most important thing, right? So whether yep. it's losing weight, whether it's waking up early, whether it's having better relationships. I recently started working with a client who really just wanted to help his phone addiction. And I never knew, well, not that I never knew, but I didn't realize how much value I can bring to a conversation in a client when it comes to social media and phone addiction. But right. um, usually the, the conversation flows organically from there. But being specific with our goals is really important. I kind of want to do a small exercise with you if you're cool with it, because every three months or so, I kind of lose sight on what I want. And even though I do have clarity on what I envision my perfect life to look like, and that includes how much money I have in the bank, having zero debt, having a business that makes X amount of dollars and I'm working X amount of hours, running two Ironmans a year, waking up at 4.55 every day, swimming every day at 5.30 with my team and things like that. Mm -hmm. Do you want to, and is it okay if we kind of, over the next five minutes, you kind of take me through that process on what you do for your clients to bring clarity to what they want? Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of it being very specific to the individual, but typically I have a normal conversation. It's not like a sales pitch type thing or I'm trying to sell you something because I think that people who look for coaches, like they do it at the right time. They do it when they're ready. So I'm never trying to push anything on anybody. Um, if I have a conversation with somebody and they think it's the right fit for them, then I send them an assessment. Then we evaluate those four categories that we talked about earlier. And then from there, that's when we can start to make a plan around what changes need to be made in their lives for them to create the life that they want. Not for me to tell them what they need to do, for me to like, tell them, hey, follow X, Y, Z step, and okay. that's going to get you exactly what you need. But like, hey, what do you want? Okay, well, what do you think you need to do to make it happen? And then, hey, I'm here to support you as you make those changes in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, any business coaching? Yeah. I mean, I think career alignment goes hand in hand with business. So, you know, some people, it might be, hey, I want to get a promotion in my current job. Some people, it might be, I want to start my own business, but I'm scared or don't have the tools or knowledge or what have you to do so. Um, and so professional alignment could be a job. It could be starting a business kind of whatever the person needs. Yeah. No, I like that. So let's uh let's shift gears back to this walk on mentality. It's kind of like the underdog mentality, right? It's the yeah. we ain't got shit to lose mentality. Yeah. Right? If just play our ass off because we weren't we were barely on the team in the first place. Mm -hmm. We have There's nothing a lot. we have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into the walk on mentality. For me, the the slogan, the description is the walk on mentality is the mindset that there are no limits to what we can accomplish when we believe in ourselves and we're willing to do the work to achieve our goals. And so it's, it's truly just this belief system that says that we're not limited in what we're capable of. It's the same mindset that you had when you signed up for your first Ironman. It's the same mindset you had when you decided, okay, I'm going to start a business. It's the same mindset you said when you jumped into your real estate career, like I have no money. I have to go earn everything and create this opportunity for myself. Like that is the walk on mentality. That's why it made sense for you to come on to my show. Um, and that's applicable across all areas of life from fitness to 
professional to creating the kind of relationship you want. Like it, it's across the board applicable. And so that's what the walk on mentality is. And then, yeah, within that, there's like, you know, first person there, last person to leave. I'm not entitled to anything. I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room. I'm going to study more film or, you know, stay late at work, like whatever it is, insert doing extra work here. It's like doing everything that you can to set yourself up for the opportunity that you are doing or you that you're going to earn through putting in the work. So some would argue that working 80 hours a week and waking up at 430 in the morning and, you know, being the first one there and the last one to leave is an unhealthy balance. Right. Okay. So let's say you you reach the team, you reach your goals in business. Is that walk on mentality? Is that sustainable long term? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, the walk on mentality doesn't mean that you should burn yourself out and like exhaust yourself beyond what is like healthy. But it's this again, back to the initial point of like the mindset that I can do whatever I set my mind to. And I've certainly in my own life experienced like that burnout where it feels like kind of on a, a hamster wheel of like, no matter what I do, it's not enough. And like, that's incredibly unhealthy. So that's not what the walk on mentality is. It's just a mindset that whatever you want to do, you can do. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like in terms of specifically like an 80 hour work week or getting up at four or whatever it is, like if that's what you need to do to achieve your goal, if that's what you need to do for a period of time, then like maybe you do it but maybe that's not what is always required for you to be where you want to be. I think a lot of it is kind of about figuring out what it is that you need, what you want to achieve. And then again, like designing your life based on that. Yeah. Dude, I think I need to wake up before AM and do 80 hour weeks if I want to achieve what I want to achieve. What about you? Honestly, like I get up at five and I train and... I do what I need to do. I don't I don't think I need to get up at four and work eighty hour weeks to achieve what I want to achieve. No. How come? Are there days that I do get up at four? Sure. But that's not like a for me personally, that's not an everyday necessity, no. Yeah. Why is that? Why is it that I don't think I need to get up at four? Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think you need to get up at four? Well, if I want to train for two and a half, three hours a day, and that includes 20 minutes in the sauna and a five minute cold plunge, get Mm -hmm. home, eat a good breakfast and be at my desk by 9 a.m., then I, then I, then I have to at least be training by 530. I mean, right now I, I start training at 530 Mm -hmm. and I barely are, I'm barely at my desk at 9 a.m. Like today I was eating my breakfast at 905 and I'm a little late. And yeah, being uh-huh. a little late is okay. Nine o five, nine o'clock, kind of the same thing. But we have high standards, and we yeah. want to achieve greatness, right? I don't think I don't think Kobe was five minutes late to practice, right? And I don't think I don't think Bezos and Musk are you know showing up late to their meetings, right? Yeah. So I feel like if I want to get my training in before nine a.m., I got to be up at five or a little earlier. And then you know if I want to reach out to more people and I want to have more conversations about life coaching and personal growth, self-development, things like that. I think that That, I need to spend more time sending messages, sending emails, making phone calls. The more people I talk to, the more opportunities I get to build my business, having conversations like this, because there there are things that you and I do that don't necessarily make money, whether it's, you know, spending 
two hours a day making Instagram reels or, you know, making the, you know, the podcast, like having conversations with people that don't end up becoming clients. And look, we are well aware that we have to do these things if we want to be successful. But, you know, there are sacrifices that need to be made. And there are things that we do that don't necessarily make money for us right now. And I don't know. I just, I don't know, man. Why? What, what's, your, what's your feedback on that? Oh, I, I was just going to say like, so you giving that context makes more sense to me. So like you're training for an Ironman, right? So you know that training for an Ironman requires three disciplines, run, bike, swim. It requires you to do probably multiple of those disciplines multiple days out of the week. So not every day is going to be one workout. And then on top of that, you have recovery protocols that you want to do, such as sauna, ice bath, whatever, right? So for you, if getting up at four is necessary for you to be able to get all your training in for the morning and then not have to train again in the evening, or maybe you do have a training at evening, but you're fitting everything that you need to get done into your schedule, then that might make sense for you. For me, I'm training for a marathon right now and a marathon is running. So I know I need to run six days a week and I want to lift three to four days a week. So that means three to four days out of the week, I'm going to have two workouts. But what I know is for sure is that I'm going to run six days a week. So in order for me to complete the runs that I need to complete, I get up at five. I get up at five. I get in my journal. I time block my day. I write down the three most important things that need to be done. I do my daily wins, affirmations, and thank you practice. I meditate for five minutes. I get to my training session. I start by six. Most of the time, my run is not going to take me more than 90 minutes right now. I'm early in the block, maybe later in the block when I'm doing a 20 mile run or what have you like that'll take longer time but that's also typically on weekends so i can plan accordingly but again training for a marathon right now being intentional with my time like i can complete all of that everything that i need to get done from the fitness perspective by eight easily and so like i'm able to fit in what i need to fit in between the hours of five and eight with no issue and then that allows me to get into my work day doing outreach doing podcasts whatever it is right uh but again, it comes back to like, what's your goal? And then you've created a schedule that makes sense for you to be able to achieve everything that you need to achieve in a given day. So for yeah. me getting up at 4am, like, I don't need to do that right now. I can spend that extra hour sleeping, which allows me to bring more into my day. Facts. When's your marathon? Uh, January, January 14th. Okay. Do you have a time goal for your marathon? Yeah, man, I'm going for a sub three. Sub so, three. That's the number yeah. everyone's trying to hit. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I ran my first marathon was in December of last year. I ran Dallas. Goal was sub three. Learned a ton in the process. Ended up running at three twenty five. Uh, definitely like learned a lot, primarily on the nutrition side. My stomach was absolutely wrecked, and so now I know like it's important to be consistent, just like in anything else, but really consistent with actually what I'm eating the nights before my long run, as opposed to just like carb loading with random stuff. Uh, but it was a phenomenal experience. I think just like anything else in life, you learn from what you do and that helps you, you know, moving forward. Why do you feel called to run marathons and hit sub three hour? Why is that important to you? Honestly, man, I just love pushing my limits and love challenging myself in really any arena. Uh, you know, I played college football and the way that we trained for college football was a lot of heavy lifting, you know, Olympic lifting and things of that nature. I was also 240 pounds. And honestly, when I got done playing, I thought I would never run more than like two miles. But 
when COVID hit, I was like, I need to find a way to continue to really challenge myself. And for the first few years out of college, I was doing CrossFit a lot. But again, with COVID, like gyms were shut down. So running was a new way for me to exercise and move my body. And it was also kind of uncharted territory. I mean, the most I had ever really run prior to COVID was maybe like six miles. And I also didn't know anything about heart rate training. Like I knew nothing about the actual, like how to actually run efficiently and do it the right way. Uh, and so when COVID hit, I remember every Friday, I would just run like a couple more miles than the previous Friday. And I remember getting up to like 16 miles and be like, oh, okay, like this is, this is cool. This is different. I never thought I'd do this. And then a random Saturday came around and I ended up running 20 miles on just like a, a Nutrigrain bar. And I was like, huh, okay. If I can run 20 miles with a zero like nutrition strategy, no fuel, like surely I could run a marathon. And my approach to really anything in life is like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in and, and do it to the best of my ability. And so that's why my first marathon out of the gate, I was like, I'm going to try to run a sub three. That's why my first 70.3, my goal was to go like sub five thirty. It's like, you don't always get your goal on the first go around, but you know, if you see what you're capable of and you learn and then you can apply it to the next go around. So it's, um, it's really running for me. It's, you know, it's peaceful and therapeutic because you get to just kind of disconnect and be exactly where your feet are. Think right. about one foot in front of the other, but it's also a cool opportunity to really push yourself and see just what you're capable of. Why didn't you hit your sub three hour goal last time around? Cause I stopped in the port of potty three times. Ah, what? <laughs> right. Your stomach was fucked. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Was that just too many gels? You, you ran with different nutrition than you trained with? Yeah. So again, like you learn through the process, right? So my training block for Dallas marathon, I had, you know, several weddings, several bachelor parties. And so I always got my workouts done, but I had to move them around a lot. And I think the body craves consistency to a certain level. And so you know, doing my long runs on a Thursday and a Saturday and then eventually on a Sunday, like I think my body was probably a little off kilter because of that. And just want to caveat this, like none of this is making an excuse. This is just like lessons learned. Um, but I really think the primary thing that kept me from a sub three was the days leading up to the race. So I think Wednesday night leading up to the race was in the ER till like 3 a.m. Uh, and then going into the actual race weekend, I had, you know, the task to like carb load and sodium load. I had never done that before. I had no coach, had no clue what I was doing. So really I was just ripping like electrolytes, ripping like BPN, G1M sport, like just drinking it like it was water. And I think that you need that stuff obviously for a race, but it's also important to actually understand the quantities that you're putting in your body and you know, how much you need per body weight, et cetera. And so I think I just like, poorly carb loaded, poorly sodium loaded. And then, yeah, whatever I ate the night before, I think just like had a bad effect on my stomach because my dad actually had stomach issues as well on Ooh. race day. And so- Something was going um, on. Was that? Something was going on. Yeah, so all that to say like this time around, I'm going to be eating the same meal before every long run. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. you know, try my strategy actually before yep. race weekend and like see what my body likes and doesn't like. That way I don't run into like nutritional issues. Cause there's so many factors that you just can't control, like yep. weather and and things like that. But 
It's all about controlling the controllables. That's it. If uh, if you didn't stop in the porta potty three times, you think you would have hit sub three? I think I probably would have been like sub three ten. Because I think so. I ran a three twenty five. Let's just say that each porta potty stop was roughly five minutes. I know the first one was definitely longer than five minutes, but like let's just say they were all five minutes. That puts me at a three ten. Right. Um. So I don't think I would have hit sub three, but I definitely would have been close. So your marathon's January, so we got two and a half months, give or take. Is this the strongest you've ever been? And when I say strongest, I mean endurance-wise for the marathon. Is this the strongest you've ever been? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I uh, for the first time in my life, I'm like running 50 miles a week consistently and feel good. I'm 200 pounds, so that's definitely, you know, my, my joints feel it a little bit. But I also think that that's my body just acclimating to the stress. Um but I would say for sure, I mean, strongest running wise I've ever been. At the same time, like I was working out with a buddy this morning who he's running the New York Marathon next month. Both of us are former college football players. He played running back, I played linebacker. And we were laughing at ourselves because it's like we feel so much weaker from just like a, a muscle, like lifting weights perspective. But yeah, the cardiovascular fitness is is certainly there. Yeah. What about you, dude? Like, I mean, how do you feel? What are you training for right now? Bro, I'm 40, actually 39 days out from Ironman Cozumel. Let's go. Yeah, let's fucking go. So not to go too, too deep into it, but this is by far the strongest I've ever been. Like by far. Really? By far. Oh yeah. Oh, strongest I've ever been. Um, I'm on a swim team now. We swim every single day at 530 in the morning. And uh, the people I'm s- swimming with are fucking fish bro they're animals right <laughs> so like bro we're and 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 we have a coach and the coach is on deck you know making us tread water with just our legs for like 15 minutes straight like straight up like just treading oh. water like this so you know my legs are sore after swim practice so swimming wise by far the strongest i've ever been i'm swimming about 12 to fourteen thousand yards a week right now. wow yeah i do at least at least like minimum minimum 2,000 yards minimum every single day um, except on Sundays are the only days we don't have practice and then mm-hmm. bike wise I haven't done too many long rides last week and I did a four hour this week and I'm doing a five hour next week and I got a century ride so we'll see how those go um, but running wise bro like I'm I'm crushing it dude I'm dialed di- I'm dialed in now I'm not I'm not fast I'm not fast but I can run 10 mile. 930 pace and not be out of breath and I can finish and you know I'm good all day I could probably run all day at like a, right. at a 10 minute pace but um but you know I think the most important thing for me at least when it comes to goals you know I'm not trying to go sub 12 I would like to go sub 14 but the most important thing for me goals wise is getting to the starting line healthy mm-hmm. Because I've overtrained in the past and I know what it's like to be overtrained and I know what it's like to go into a full Ironman without fresh legs. And that is so detrimental to your mindset and your confidence because when you get into the water, and you know this, when you get into the water in the the ocean on an Ironman and there's 2,500 athletes behind you swimming fast as hell, like you have to stay composed. You have yeah. to remind yourself to breathe, but also you got to be like strong as fuck in the water. Like they, 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 you cannot play, you cannot go into the Ironman swimming a thousand yards a day. Like so, 
recently, actually in August in the Ireland Ireland full marathon, two people died. Um, really? Yeah, two people died in in Corkland, Ireland. Um, in August, wow. in the in the swim, it's not the it's not the first time people have died in an Ironman, but it's just you know you get kicked in the face. Like what it is, it's it's a it's a heel to the top of the chin or to the bottom mm-hmm. of the chin. It's a, it's a this teeth click. You black out for a second, and then someone swims over you, and someone swims over you, and then it's just and you're just you're just stuck. Right. There's two thousand right. athletes above you. You're just fucking stuck. So when I heard that, I started taking the swim a lot more seriously, but. Uh, back to the point of goals and and where I'm at. 39 days out, um, I got basically only three and a half more weeks of training. Like it's like I'm gonna start the taper like November 8th ish. So I really got only two and a half, three weeks left. Um, but I wanted to ask you this question uh, about having this be sustainable long term. For me, Ironman is something that I do see sustainable long term for a few reasons. Right. Number one, swimming very low impact. Biking, very low impact. Because I'm not trying to qualify for Kona, because I don't have a time, the run is really just grit. Like, I don't need to be doing interval workouts for an hour. I don't need to be running 20 miles every other weekend. Right. Marathon training, sub three hour, you know, you're running 50 miles a week. That's a lot of stress. It's a lot of impact, right? So, like, do you think that you want to and and even putting the impact and and that injury prevention all that stuff aside like is running marathon something that you see yourself doing for the next 70 years i don't know dude i think i think i will run for a long time like just because i enjoy that form of movement and exercise um but kind of to your point like it is a beating i mean literally like an absolute beating the speed workouts like i had i had a I think I had like a, an 11 mile speed workout last week, um, which like, you know, it's all relative, right? Like 11 might not be a lot for some people. It might be a lot for others. Like an 11 mile speed workout is no joke. Like by the end of it, my core was like, my core was tight and I was like, I need get food immediately. And um, I certainly don't think that it's good to constantly put your body under stress. I think you need moments to like not be training that, that hard. Uh, like after I finished the Dallas marathon, actually, I wasn't training for anything for a while. And when people would ask, oh, what are you training for now? And I would say, I'm actually not training for anything. It was like, oh, like that's weird. But it's like, no, dude, you gotta, you gotta recover. Um, so back to your original question, do I think it's something I'll do forever? I don't really know. I mean, I definitely want to run a sub three. I want to qualify for Boston. Yes. Obviously you probably know that this past year, like I think the cutoff time is like five minutes faster. So really that means I would need to run like a 254 to actually get into the race. So like, you know, I'm training to run a 254 and like, we'll see what happens. But the thing about me is like, when it comes to the pursuit of these goals, like I really enjoy the race. I want to get the goal, but I so love the process. Like I love, I love having a training plan that I'm following. I love the daily discipline that's required to get up at five and execute on these things, even on the days we don't feel like it. Like, I love that aspect of it. That was the same thing I loved when I was playing football. It was like, you know, we kind of sucked at SMU, but I loved the grind of summer workouts, being with my teammate, like building that callus. And so, you know, I think I will always have something in my life like this where I'm like pushing myself, but I don't know if it'll always be marathons like i don't know if you've done high rocks but high rocks is something that i really enjoyed because it's a good blend of cardiovascular fitness but also requires some strength have you heard of it high rocks though i'm gonna google it right now 
What is that? Yeah, dude. Look at, so basically it's eight stations and each station you have a thousand meter run in between. So it comes out to roughly like a little over five miles of running in the event, I believe. And then you've got like rowing, skier, sled push, sled pull, wall balls, uh, burpees, uh, farmers carries and like lunges, like weighted walking lunges. Okay. And that event is super, super fun. Do you see it? High Rocks Race? Is that what it's called? Is Yeah, H-Y-R-O-X. Oh. Interesting. Okay. That looks cool. Yes. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. And that's a nice blend because it's like it's a little bit less just joint punishment from running. <laughs> but you still got to be cardiovascularly fit. You still got to be able to run, but you also have to be strong. And so I think that's probably more so my like wheelhouse just in terms of like body type and yeah. what I'm maybe naturally gifted at pursuing. But again, like I really like the challenge of doing something that I'm maybe not like the prototypical I'm not the prototypical runner, right? Like you are not, bro. Nobody would look at me dog, and think you like, are oh, not he's a runner. The prototypical runner, dude. You're yeah. you're a beast. You're a you're <laughs> a you, man amongst children, bro. You too, bro. I uh, appreciate that. But you no, know, you for real, bro. What are you you're like six three two something? I'm I'm like six one, two hundred pounds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Still though, you are a beast, bro. Yo, but you know what though? It's like, and I don't know if this is unhealthy or not. I kind of want your feedback on this. Like, Iron Man to me, and this is my mentality. These are not facts, and people are gonna disagree. There are gonna be a lot of people disagree with a lot of shit I say. That's completely fine. Of course, you know we're gonna have conversations. <laughs> but my mentality is Iron Man is for pussies, and you know this race is for fucking pussies. And that's okay. my mentality. And finishing an Ironman is the bare fucking minimum for me. Like, I need to be able to run a sub four hour marathon at the snap of my fingers. I need to be able to do 100 push ups in one set at the snap of my fingers. I need to be able to do an Ironman at the snap of my fingers every single day for the rest of my life. What are your thoughts okay. on that? So it's funny when you initially said it, I was like, that is aggressive. However, as you continued talking, what I heard is like, that's your mindset around it. And that is motivation for you to make sure that you're able to do it. And like, that's motivation for you to never quit at it. And that's motivation for you to train hard because in your mind, it's like, there's no excuse for me not to be able to do this. Like for most people, and even for myself, like I look at an Ironman training block and I know what that takes, right? Like it takes 17 plus hours of training a week. You're talking about swimming 14,000 yards or 14,000 meters on a weekly basis. Like people who, people who don't really know the sport like don't know what that means um but like a century ride on bike is six hours on the bike like you know five six seven hours on the bike depending who you are uh a marathon is four hours of running depending on who you are right so you know my perspective on Ironman is it's incredible especially the people no matter no matter what time you finish if you finish an Ironman if you're 16 hours and 59 minutes in and you cross that finish line that's incredible um, and then I look at the pros who do it in eight hours and I'm like, that's insane. Um, I love Lionel Sanders because his whole thing is like no limits. He's like, I want to push this limit and I don't know who defined this limit, but my goal is to break the limit. Like I love his approach. Um, and so like back to your original question around what do I think about your specific mindset? Like if that's the mindset that helps you train and stay committed and accomplish and cross those finish lines all the finish lines you have crossed and like i love it 
I appreciate that. No, you're absolutely right. I I like how you picked that apart a little bit. And and to kind of piggyback off of what you said, it's also about just the the standard I set for myself. Like this is the standard I set for myself. You're not trying to be average. I'm not trying to be average. We're trying to strive for greatness, right? Like, so this is, this is the standard. This is the fucking standard. And that's the standard I'm going to hold myself to. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I'd be curious what uh, what have people said in the past when you tell them that? Yeah, I'll be <laughs> honest, dude. This is not something I say publicly often. It's not that I'm afraid to say it. It's just it doesn't come up often, and not a lot of the conversations I have on podcasts and on social are specifically about my mindset on Iron Man or things like that. But it, this was a good opportunity for me to like say that out loud, and it felt good. Um, but you know, you tell people, for example, dude, a lot of my buddies, they don't train for Ironmans, dude. A lot of yeah, my buddies, bro, they've never ran over four miles in their entire life, probably even less, right? So like, this isn't something that I'm able to share with them. This isn't something that I could say, hey, or, or they would say, oh, dude, Ironman, that's impressive. Like, respect. Like, I'm like, yeah, respect, but like, Ironman's for pussies, right? Like, I, I don't say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that to a friend who's giving me props for you know, crossing a finish line on an Ironman. It's thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I put in a lot of work, but no, right. it's like, not. Nah, it's, you know, it's shit for pussies. And that's why the community and that's why connecting with people like you and connecting with other people on social and connecting with other people in my triathlon groups and on my swim team and on, you know, my Saturday morning runs, you know, I'm part of a group now every Saturday at 6 a.m. We leave from Dunkin' Donuts and we all leave at one time. There's people running seven minute miles. There's people running 730s, eight. And, you know, I'm just trying to keep up and I just keep falling back and keep falling back. But I got my 12 miles in. You know what I mean? Like being a part of that community and opening up relationships and being able to network with other people that are part of this community is like really what brought me to doubling down on, on, on Ironman. It's just, you know, obviously these sports are expensive, signing up for races and traveling to races and, you know, bikes are expensive and, you know, training planes are expensive. And I'm sure you're part of like gyms and stuff that all have a bunch of recovery tools that are hundreds of dollars a month and things like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's all worth it when, when you cross that finish line and there's so much value to be gained just from training for this shit. Right. No. And I think a few things came to mind. You said that first and foremost, you know, for anyone who's listening who maybe is thinking about starting a finished journey and is hesitant for whatever reason, something that Zach just said that I think is really important is that like this running group he goes to on Saturdays, there's people running seven minute miles, eight minute miles, nine minute miles, 10 minute miles. Like it doesn't matter what pace you're running. Like all that matters is that you're out there and you're trying to improve and push yourself and do something challenging. So like, don't let a feeling of, oh, I'm too slow or fat or whatever. Like, don't let that stop you from taking that first step because it's the start that stops most people. Um, the other thing that you mentioned that I think is important is like, yeah, these hobbies are expensive, but it's like, you look at it like an investment and it's like, it's the same thing with, with hiring a coach for anything, whether it's lifestyle habit training, like when you pay a premium and invest into something, there's all the more incentive to take it seriously and actually use it. So like, yeah, if you want to sign up for a race, like pay the entry fee, but also pay to take care of yourself, pay to eat the right food, because that's going to make the entire experience better. And also, you're just going to feel better as a result. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the two things that popped into my mind. Yo, so as we close out this year, we got the rest of October, November, December. Obviously, training is important for you. The, what are some of your other goals that you're sprinting towards or maybe some goals that you know are like six to nine months away that you're focusing on outside of physical fitness? 
Yeah, man. I mean, my biggest, so my mission is to positively impact, inspire, and empower as many people as I can to maximize their full potential in every category of their life. Uh, part of the way I do that is through my podcast. Part of the way I do that is through one-to-one coaching. So obviously like from a business standpoint, it's continue to consistently post podcasts, continue to consistently post my weekly newsletter, continue to find clients that are looking to make change in their lives. Like those are the business goals. Um, and then in terms of just like personal development, like I set a goal to read every single day of the year, like whether it be one page or 10 pages, like I wanted to read more books because honestly, for the last probably five years, the number of books I've read is just like pathetic. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I haven't read every single day this year. I'll admit that, but I've read more this year probably than I've read in the last five years combined. And so want to continue to read. Um, what else? Uh, obviously, like I said, my training goal, um, you know, continue to be the best boyfriend that I could possibly be, be the best son, brother friend that I can possibly be really just continue to be on my own journey to being the best version of myself possible. Um, and again, that requires, you know, commitment from the mindset perspective, physical, uh, career, etc. Follow-up question. Yeah. What's something that could hold you back from accomplishing those things that's in your control. So I can reframe it this way as well. What's one thing that you know, you need to do that you're not necessarily staying loyal to a weakness of yours maybe yeah Uh. I think that's a tough question dude because I feel like I've been fairly dialed lately Um, but I do also believe that there's always room for more growth more improvement so what is one thing that I need to do that I'm maybe not being as good about that is going to prevent me from any of my goals? Is that the question? Yeah. Honestly, dude, the very first thing that came to mind was being more consistent with some of my eating habits. And what that means for me is not, uh, is actually just eating enough food based on the amount of training that I do do because I you know I just spoke to the importance of recovery and invest the investment that you put in these races and training and whatnot and I think you know we talked about in the beginning one of the most important things not only for you know athletic performance but just like clarity of mind is eating enough food and eating the right foods you know I would say my approach to food consumption is I try to be as balanced as possible like I'm not gonna lie I love pizza I love sweets like I'm not gonna cut those out of my life but what I need to be more consistent about doing is like eating right after a training session or like if I know I have a 20 mile run like eating enough food the day before or the morning of actually fueling for that run and not just going out there and knowing that like yeah I could finish this run without eating anything, but it's not going to be as solid of a training session as it would have been had I fueled appropriately. (laughs) So that specifically will help or hurt me when it comes to my marathon goal. Um, You've you've actually got me thinking now. I think I that's something worth thinking a lot of time or taking some time to think about, dude, is like, taking inventory on like a well better how analysis of like what am I doing well what could I do better and then how am I going to do it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that's one that comes to mind just from a training standpoint okay 
I, uh, I'm going to share one with you. So just like you, I time block my day mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't stay loyal to that. And I'm just like, uh, just another 15 minutes of, you know, watching this or doing this. So I need to be a little more committed to my time blocking. How do you, how do you manage time blocking when life inevitably throws something at you? Well, I, I keep it very simple. It's from 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. I'm training, recovering, and meditating. So it's like up every day, 4.55, you know, at swim practice by 5.30, swim for an hour, immediately into my run at 6.40, run for an hour, it's 8 a.m., go to the gym, 20 minutes in the sauna, five minutes in the cold plunge, get out of the gym by 8.30, I'm home by 8.35, meditate for 10 minutes, and then like try to squeeze in breakfast and be at my desk at nine. And then from nine to 12, three hours of focus work. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, certain tasks I do every single day for those three hours, whether it's send a hundred emails or send 50 DMs or make 10 calls, right? Talk to people, talk to people, talk to people, try to help, try to help, try to help, give, give, give. And And then from 12 to one is a lunch break. I don't usually eat on my lunch break, but that's the one hour I give myself to either check Instagram or you know, just sit on the couch and, you know, see what's on the news maybe for 15 minutes or so. And then from mm-hmm. one to four is when I'm working in my business. So, you know, there's like working on your business, working in your business. So from one to four, working in my business. So those are when I have my coaching calls. So every day I have at least one client I talk to, at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, some yeah. days I have two clients I talk to. And then obviously there's clients who are reaching out for free calls. So from one to four, I'm doing a couple of free calls. And then from four to 530, it's kind of like, free time in a way. Um, like after this podcast, it's four o'clock. I'm gonna jump on the bike for an hour and a half before dinner. And then after mm-hmm. dinner, it's go for a walk with my fiance around downtown and people watch for a little bit, um, eat dinner, do all those things and just kind of relax, maybe circle up around and close some loops around work and things like that. So that's how I time block my day. And uh, I don't stay fully, fully committed to that, but it happens, man. And you know what? As long as like we're aware of when we're getting distracted and things like that, I think that's all that matters because it comes down to, you know, exercising our free will. If I know I should be doing this, but I'm doing that, I'm not exercising my free will. And if I'm aware of that, that's okay. So that's right. kind of how I um, plan my day. This is the last question I got for you though. Um, all right. What, uh, the last question I got for you, what's something right now that you're really trying to learn about? Psychology, sales, uh, minimalism, essentialism, uh, distraction, addiction. Like what's one thing you're like really trying to, uh, learn about right now? Yeah, actually it's funny that you mentioned what you just did about time blocking because last night I was trying to figure out why it is that people and we do the things that we, or why we don't do things we know we should do. Like if you know, like if you want to lose weight, and you know that in order to lose weight, you need to probably be in the gym three days a week and you need to get 10,000 steps and you need to eat a little bit cleaner. Like if you know that that's what it takes to do that, then why don't you just do it? And obviously there's like, (laughs) obviously there's sometimes circumstances in life that make doing certain things very difficult, uh, whether it's financial or what have you. But you know, it's like so many of us know exactly what it is that we want, like I said in the beginning, but yet for some reason we don't do the things that we know are necessary to make that happen. And 
what I think it comes down to is, is a couple of different things. I think it's a lot of us want to stay comfortable. And for example, just to touch back on the example I gave around like going to the gym and losing weight, it's like, it's so much more comfortable to just keep sitting on the couch watching TV and not put yourself in a vulnerable position where somebody could potentially judge you for not knowing what you're doing in the gym or for you to not feel pain on a walk or what have you, right? Like it's a lot more comfortable to just stay where you're at. The other thing though that I thought about is like, there's not an immediate gratification a lot of times with making meaningful change in your life, pursuing bigger and better things. So like, if you know you want to lose weight and you know what it takes to lose weight is exercise and a little bit cleaner eating habits, you also know that it's not going to happen, you know, in the blink of an eye or snap of a finger overnight. And a lot of us lack patience and just want that immediate gratification. Um, so I was trying to figure out like if there was a real like scientific breakdown of how the brain functions and why, you know, people don't do that. And I didn't find them last night, but I did recently read something about how like the brain's number one function is just to keep us safe. And so if getting out of your comfort zone feels unsafe, then you just won't do it unless you force yourself to do it. Right. So yeah. What about you? Right now I'm just learning a lot about minimalism, detoxing from social media, not being attached to my phone. Uh, really just trying to simplify my life. You going to sell everything? I honestly, dude, I, I did sell a lot of things over the past three years. Um, yeah. When I first started dating my now fiance, my girlfriend, we'd be dating for about three years. Um, she's like, this is all the clothes you have. I was like, yeah, this is, and I'm trying to get rid of more. So right. I'm trying to just own two, three pairs of shoes, you know, 10 pairs of underwear, 10 shirts, 10 pairs of shorts, et cetera. Um, now, obviously I have a lot of technology, you know, you can't see, but I'm looking at like four screens right here and like two keyboards and things like that. So, but I'm trying to really just simplify and undigitize, um, and create space between myself and not only how people can reach out to me, but also, uh, my relationship with not only devices, but materialistic things. Right. Just distractions. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot of yeah. good books about it, but. I love it. There's a documentary on Netflix about that. Um, I've been wanting to sell a lot of my stuff too. My girlfriend's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I love it. Good, man. Well, listen, uh, to all those people out there that are still listening, we really appreciate your time, energy, and attention. Uh, this was Jackson Mitchell. You can over also uh, listen to his podcast, The Walk On Mentality. I'm going to drop the link to his podcast in the show notes. I'm going to drop the link to his website and his socials in the show notes reach out to him, shoot him a DM on Instagram, let him know that you listened to this podcast. Jackson, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. This was, uh, this was a really fun conversation. It was a pleasure coming on, Zach. I appreciate you having me, brother.